0: This is Just Football. Hello, David here from Just Football. So first of all, I'd like to apologise for the technical glitches we, as we saw in the most recent episode, that is completely my fault and my absence from the episode was due to an incident at work. Real life, what are you going to do, huh? So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the topics that Dan and Dan spoke about in episode 13, the episode released this week, and give my opinion and perspective, whether that's worth anything, that's for you to decide. Here we go, on with the show. First up is Forest Green Rovers, so they appointed Anna Dingley as a caretaker head coach. Now, you, from one perspective, I think it's great. It's quite a compelling story in that she's going to be the first woman. She's going to be coaching the team, but sadly, it's only a caretaker, which kind of means they're on the, the lookout for someone else. I'm hoping if things go well, that she'll be appointed a permanent coach rather than a caretaker, and that should make great strides to the game. The reality is, from a coaching and managerial perspective, it doesn't matter what sex you are or, or what you align to. If you're good at your job and capable of it, do it. So Dern's also discussed the new offside rule, or I say law. It, it, is he proper? Do we have laws of the game rather than rules? Now, Arsene Wenger, he, he's amongst Arsenal fans. He's a, he's a legend. He's proposed to change the offside law where there's a belief it could create more attacking games. Now, from a football and a fan's perspective, and you know, being fortunate enough to watch Arsenal, I get to watch a lot of attacking football already. So will this law make the game more attacking? Yes. Do we need it? I'm not convinced. I think, however, one of the sticking points is Dan that is mentioned, is VAR. There's been a lot of frustration with VAR. I know Arsenal have been subject to some really bad decisions, as have clubs like Aston Villa, Brighton, Hove Albion. That's the biggest challenge for me. It's not the offside law. It's the use and application of VAR. That needs to be addressed rather than this change to the offside law. So whilst I think, yes, people want to... Introduce more attacking style of football, but what are the implications? What's it going to be for those teams and clubs and leagues that don't use VAR? What does it mean for non-league? Does it make it harder for a linesman to make the decision? is doing the eye test, can't see across the line. It's hard and hard enough as it is when a player is doing is running the line, but if you don't have the associated technology, it's going to make it very very difficult. From a defensive perspective as being a defender myself defending is hard enough as it is so you're just making the art of defending even more difficult and taking that out of the game i think it remains to be seen what happens i'd like to see what the outcome is and with the offside is var being used or not watch this space okay moving on to the euros so a massive congratulation to england for obviously winning the tournament, but going through the game or the tournament without conceding is quite remarkable. Now, I believe it's happened before with Spain where the opponents in the final, uh, but I think it's quite incredible. I think we as a nation are very, very lucky to have some extremely talented and technical players across all areas of the pitch, which is which is quite unusual for us. On top of that, England scores some very, very good goals. And I like Southgate take a look at those goals watch how the under 21s played and applied it to a national team all the players capable of doing it there's players who, who didn't play who could step down to under 21s but that's the sort of football I want to, want to see I want to see it. good effective tactical football that's got a high level of technical ability now will say, having watched the final I did watch the semi final too. I've never seen so many career ending injuries in my life. The level of play acting uh, and I believe players who were feigning injury was unbelievable. And it's it's something I really did want to see, and, and it's sad to see it from uh, an under 21 squad you know, on the teams. And actually, this is more leaning towards Spain than it is England. Um, perhaps we can look at introducing the scale we've been developing in our WhatsApp chat so maybe we'll release that into the uh, Twitter world we'll, we'll see so th- the other things I want to mention is so Emil Smith-Rowe he's now Euros under 21 he also won the uh, the World Cup the 17 World Cup with England as well so now he's got Euros and the World Cup which is very impressive uh, congratulations to Lee Carlsley Ashley Cole And everyone involved, I think it's a phenomenal result. So on the FA Cup, I'm actually very against these proposed changes. And the abolition of replays could be detrimental to those clubs who are in the lower leagues. They are kind of reliant on the gate income by going to those clubs who play in the Premier League. Plus, it's a great story. If you're not getting the replays or you're not offering a second chance to those clubs, that kind of fairy tale feeling of the FA Cup is gone. I mean, I'm not too concerned about midweek matches. I do think, however, it should be the showcase of the season and should be right at the end after the Premier League's ended, but before the Champions League final. And from a semi final perspective, there's no way. They should be played at Wembley. The only reason they're doing it is for the so the FA can make some money out of it, so they can pay off the stadium. But for the fans and clubs, it should be a neutral venue in between where the clubs are. I think where we've where, uh, semi finals have been held at Aston Villa. That's worked really, really well. So I would love to see that again. And I, I think just for fairness of the fans, because they are the ones who are frequently messed around and it's hard frustrating just from sitting on the sofa that these fans have to go down to london or wherever to watch their club when they can watch the match nearer to home go to a match nearer to home i think that being said however if you're a big club regardless of when the fa cup final is you should be expecting to challenge and win that trophy yes only one can win it but if you're a big club, that's what your goal should be. Okay, so The guys also talked about Dulwich Hamlet and the, the player who was originally sort of heading to Dover, then went to Dulwich Hamlet. And There's a bit, a bit of a, a hoo-ha on social media about the way it was handled, but also the, the reaction from the way Dover handled their social media activities. I think from a larger club, you this probably wouldn't have happened. There's a famous example where Emmanuel Petit had discussions about signing for Tottenham. Tottenham paid for his taxi, but in his taxi, he went to Arsenal and signed for Arsenal instead. That was pretty quiet. We'll see that's back in days where social media really wasn't that prevalent. But for me, I think this is more about trying to get attention over than kicking up a fuss. Reality is at that level, I don't think it matters, and uh, I don't mean to be disingenuous to the clubs. I don't think it matters too much about what team you sign for. So transfer speculation. So this today's Wednesday the 12th. The the Rice saga continues, although I'm pretty confident it will happen by the end of this week. It is interesting the take of the dance on this they're bored of it but I'm more about more bored about Harry Kane Harry Kane is a year on year thing it's constant speculation it's a farce it's a it's a farrago this this idea that they're banging about rice not signed but Kane is a constant thing it's constant speculation it's will Kane stay will he sign will it be sold what will Levy do the reality is he's got a year left He's in the same position as Mbappe. From a business perspective, it makes perfect sense. Came to be sold. The reality is, it's going to be so hard for Tottenham to finish fourth or fifth next season. And there are no guarantees in football. It might be that he gets injured. It might be that he gets sold and gets injured. That's the way football is. But would you rather take that money, those 80, 90 million pounds spend it on reinvesting in the squad or take that risk. Now, I think it's okay Kane. I think that is the right answer. That's the right thing to do. Now is the time. And the reality is Harry Kane is a brilliant player, wonderful player. There's not one club in Premier League that would turn him down. But if you're playing with better players, it should make you a better player. So why not go to Munich? they clearly got better players. Yes, they'll get trophies. Now, for Tottenham fans, uh, they'll be saying, oh, yeah, but Alan Shearer's record, blah, 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 blah. In the great scheme of things, I don't think that matters. What matters is legacy. He's already a Tottenham legend. So whether he stays or goes, it does not matter. For Kane himself, other than Tottenham fans, he will be regarded as a failure if he doesn't win anything. And I remember Alan Shearer's goals. I remember how good they are from a game perspective. I can tell you that. I can tell you what his best goals are. Maybe that's because I'm a Arsenal fan. And I don't pay that much attention. But even from an England perspective, I can tell you. But when Shearer played for England, I can talk you through the great goals. So odds transfers. So Tottenham have signed Manor Solomon. It's gonna be an interesting signing. A free transfer, so free transfers, it makes quite a lot of sense. Also, they've signed Madison, which I think is a very, very good signing. And I do agree with the guys. He's a better player than, than Mason Mount. He's more dynamic. He'll get you more goals. He'll get you more assists. He, he's, the, he's the one who can unlock defences. And that's the type of player that Tottenham need. My, my final thing is to get on to David De Gea. So he, he signed a contract. Manchester United didn't sign a contract, which I actually think is the right thing there are, I suppose, it's pretty moral connotations about why Manchester United offer a contract and then didn't sign it. But I think they've seen Andre Nana decide he's a better goalkeeper and going for him. What, what's interesting is, uh, see hey, uh, did get a golden Gloves this season? But he does have a mistake in him. He's not, even though he kept, kept a load of clean sheets, doesn't mean he was the best goalkeeper. And I don't think many other Premier League clubs would take him. I'd be surprised if he stays in Premier League. And signs, signs someone else. It might be a little unfair on De Gea. Obviously, for having played for United for 12 years, he has been a really good player. But we've seen over the last couple of years, there has been a bit of decline. But in order to challenge for the Premier League, you need a very, very good goalkeeper. De Gea isn't that anymore. Now, ultimately, I think the decision for De Gea not to be at United is the right decision. Hopefully, we'll find a club that's suited for him. I think he's been a brilliant servant and a very, very good goalkeeper at his peak. And good luck to him. So that, that's it from me for this suppose, short episode of Dave. Hopefully, you enjoyed what I say. If you want to get any feedback, you can find us on GoodPods. Please leave a rating and review. Also look us up on Twitter at JustFootballPod. See the the social media and email are at the end as part of the outro music. That's it from me. Have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Just Football. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can follow us on Twitter at JustFootballPod or contact us through email on justfootballpod at gmail.com We'll be back next time with more football talk Until then, keep your head up and your eyes on the ball